Welcome to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed, your journey into discovering the amazing people and wonderful happenings in and around the Cothet region. Since her days as Powell River's first youth ambassador in 1994, Erin has continuously been involved in our community. Her love of the Cothet region and her understanding of the importance of connecting to the people living around you inspired this podcast. Coastal Currents is a no-holds-barred look at what's happening in our neighborhoods. But more importantly, it's about the people who live, work, and play here. Insightful interviews, frank conversations, and often hilarious discussions of issues, ideas, and people that matter to you. This is Coastal Currents. Here's Aaron. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. Joining me today in the studio is Clancy Dennehy. And for today's intro, I get to cheat a little bit, and I can take his bio right off his website, which you can find at clancydennehy.com. C-L-A-N-C-Y-D-E-N-N-E-H-Y dot C-O-M. Clancy is a filmmaker and photographer who was born in Winnipeg. He is a graduate of NSCAD University in Halifax, also known as the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. Clancy built his career in Vancouver, where for 30 years he created broadcast and online media for business and the arts. He produced and directed the documentary Farm Futures and was director of photography on many national network documentary films, including Pretty Boys, I Want a Woman, Taylor Made, Secrets, C.D. Hoy, Portraits from the Frontier, Behind the Mascot, and Paris Stories, The Writing of Mavis Gallant. His own art films have screened internationally on television and film festival tours, including Nocturne, chosen Best National Experimental Film by CBC. Working with local dancers, writers, and musicians, he has produced and directed many short films for the CTV Bravo channel, the most recent being Vancouver, a multi-perspective portrait of Vancouver. He directed and shot a film in Yale, B.C. for the Canadian National Film Board Project, GDP-NFB, which won Best Online Series at the Canadian New Media Awards. Clancy is now based right here in Powell River, British Columbia. Today we have Clancy Dennehy in the studio. Thank you for coming, Clancy. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. So uh, a lot of my podcast guests that I've had so far are people that I've known in some way beforehand, and you and I have just met tonight. Are you comfortable with mystery? I am. Well, then let's open up the curtains and see what happens. <laughs> okay. So you were comfortable starting with a, a game of this or that just to get started. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Call or text? Call. Cats or dogs? Dog. New phone or a new laptop? Hmm. How can I say e-bike? <laughs> sure. Eggs or bagels? Eggs. Rock or hip-hop? Rock and roll with a little hip-hop beat. Hmm. Coffee or tea? Coffee in the morning, tea in the afternoon. Tent or camping RV? A uh, comfy hotel bed with uh, <laughs> flannel sheets. <laughs> uh, silver or gold? Gold. Uh, long or short hair? Long, if you have the choice. Nah. Fair enough. Roller coasters or bumper cars? Roller coaster. <laughs> Let's go. One more. Smoothies or milkshakes? Every morning I have a fruit smoothie and it usually has ginger in it and blueberries. And that is one of my best habits I have. Really? Mm. All right. Well, that's a good note to end on. Yeah. I like the wild blueberries though, not the cultivated. I just, I grew up in Manitoba and we used to pick blueberries and they have that sort of woodsy bite that I just like. I do not like the cultivated blueberries, but um, I'm sure they're just as healthy. So I did Google you and I saw that you came from Manitoba. Hmm. So I wanted to ask you about that growing up in, in I think, Winnipeg, right? Winterpeg, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I call Bobby Fields. <laughs> Bobby Fields. Yeah. She's the uh, local radio DJ. So she's from... She's from Winterpeg she too. She is. Yeah. So... Yeah. So mm. I call her Winterpeg. Uh -huh. <laughs> what was growing up like in, in Winnipeg for you? I was the youngest of six kids in a Catholic family, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was a, a good gig. Uh, my dad worked in agriculture. He was a uh, broker for specialty crops in mustard seed and spices and coriander and odd things. And he would sometimes take me in the car on trips uh, to meet uh, farmers and see how they're doing and stuff. And I, I really enjoyed that. My mom was a, a nurse. And she dumped me with my grandmother for the whole summer, every summer. And my grandmother had a place, a, a place called Victoria Beach, which is, uh, it's kind of like the Hornby Island of the Prairies. It's on Lake Winnipeg. And okay. it's just little cottages and there's no cars there. It's like a little island. And uh, 
at the time I thought this is boring. I'm getting a raw deal. But now I look back, I go, well, that was a Huck Finn dream childhood. I was very close to nature and they just let me go out the door like a feral dog in the morning, come back for dinner. That's why I moved myself and my poor city wife to Powell River. I wanted to get closer to nature. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. You know, I had a similar childhood actually out in Stillwater. Stillwater. Stillwater would be south of of Powell River. Okay. Yeah. You moved from Winnipeg to Vancouver at some point. So how did that come about? Yeah, I moved to, uh, I lived in Halifax for five years. That's where I went to art college. It went to the time, it was in the 80s. It was called the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. And my sister lived there, who I'm very close to still, and she still lives in Nova Scotia. And uh, after that, I thought, well, what now? I um, ha- was a ski bum in Whistler right after grade 12. And the mountains made a huge impression on me, as did, you know, you have a look around, you look at Victoria and stuff like that, and the mountains and the ocean. I just, I I don't think I ever forgot that. So after I graduated, I thought, well, I won't go back to Winnipeg. Uh, And I was a media guy. I would have made a lot more money if I moved to Toronto, but I decided on Vancouver, and and I have no regrets, and it's worked out pretty good. We were 30 years in Vancouver, and I guess we moved here three, four years ago, three years ago. So next 30 years are going to be here. And then after that, I'll probably, I'm due to die. (laughs) (laughs) Got that date set in 30 years, eh? (laughs) 60, 70, 89. After 90, I mean, God, what do you got left to give? (laughs) It's a free for all, hey? (laughs) Yeah. I'll be, I'll see me, I'll be in my corner table at the Legion. (laughs) So you said your wife is a city girl. Uh, was she always from the Vancouver area? Would that yeah. be how you met? Yeah, she's uh, Chinese-Canadian. Her parents uh, are from Hong Kong and uh, uh, moved here uh, into Canada in the 60s. And she grew up in Vancouver and lived her whole life in Vancouver. So she's a city kid. They did just the cultural thing back in the day. Chinese people did not go camping. We're not outdoorsy people or anything. So she was she's a pretty urban girl. So um, she has adjusted to life here very well. To my surprise, and everyone else says, Hey, Clancy, we know you like power and How's Carol like it? I go, well, you ask her. So uh, she likes it quite a lot because she was in Vancouver last week. And I said, how are you doing? And she says, oh, I can hardly wait to get back. Really? And I thought, oh, that's great. You're not making that up. No, she, she really loves it. So uh, we got these uh, e-bikes and we uh, hike and we e-bike down the logging roads. And we've had some run-ins with bears, which was a freak out for her. She says, don't tell my mother this happened. Oh, no. So, uh, you know, but it's part of life here. I'm, I'm glad there's bears out. That means something's actually working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've seen cougar tracks in the, over Christmas. We had the snow so we could see big cougar tracks. And that was kind of exciting. The only thing is when you run into the bears and the cougars, you just want to make sure the e-bike's got good battery power on it. That's the only thing you want. <laughs> well, the, the time we ran into a bear was just a few weeks ago. And it was uh, behind, uh, oh shit, what's the trail called? Anyway, it was a narrow trail, very steep. And that bear looked at us. We looked at him. And he rubbed his, he got on his hind legs, rubbed his back against a tree, looked at us, took a big bite out of the tree, chawing on the bark, and then looked at us and went, <laughs> and took a step towards us and this is not far away so i'm my hands are shaking a bit but and i said give me uh, we had the bear banger in the spray i had she i said hold the spray and i'm trying to get the bear banger out of the thing but it i had never used it before Mm. so i'm going hey can you can you get that out get the and and this bear's not far away get it and i can't can't get it out she says just saying so should i just keep on with the spray and get the bear so anyway oh she let the horn go the little "Eh," thing that they play at hockey games Bear was not impressed with that. I mm. think the bear thought he was at a hockey game. <laughs> so eventually, he's staring us down. He's big guy. I let the bear bang go. Boom. He did not run away, but he sauntered away. So that was that was uh, a real thing. And uh, I said to my wife, you were really calm during that. And she said, well, I was only calm because you were calm. Why were you so calm? And I said, well, it's probably because last week I just re-watched the series Band of Brothers. And I was just used to watching guys pull their grenades off and just shit's happening. Yeah. And they're just like doing, and it was like, I don't know, I think that kind of had an effect on just like, we need to do the thing. No time for freaking out. We need to do the thing. So it was like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little little scary. If it was a grizzly, that would be a whole different kettle of worms, wouldn't it? I mean... Even if the grizzly didn't run at you, that's a whole different kettle of worms, isn't it? And there have been grizzlies spotted in in uh, 
cranberry, you know that. Yep. And I uh, just saw in the report, the Facebook report, there was a grizzly on the, in the Duck Lake area. So you're riding around a corner on your mountain bike or your e-bike, and you're like run face-to-face with the grizzly. It's kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that one. Well, I'll tell you, it'll be the same thing, because an aggressive bear is an aggressive bear. So you don't want to be with either one. You I, did, saw, I, you saw, did I also it saw a black bear with a cub in this forest between the two towns, between Townsite and Westview. And I was far away from ways in the old dump site. I was uh, on my bike, and it was dusk. And the bear cub was like a little puppy dog chawing at mom's nose. And mom kept on swatting away. Get away from me. You're bugging me. Get away. It was just And they, I was at far enough distance. I don't think they saw me because I came to the edge of the clearing. And it was uh, it was a really beautiful thing to see. I've never seen a bear cub before. So young. And just see that little, you know, interaction between the mom and the cub. It was, it was a very beautiful moment. Nice and, and I think they're still in there because I see their fresh bear poo. I don't know what they're eating. It could be the skunk cabbage or something. But uh, yeah, definitely. They're not eating, you know, you can kind of tell for the scat what they're eating. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. It's nice to see the playful side of them. Art school. What is it that prompted you to go away to art school? Well, uh, uh, I'm a bit of a black sheep in the family, and I just, uh, I was not super great at uh, junior high and high school. My grades were not great. I was a slacker. I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't want to give my parents any trouble, so I wasn't a bad kid, but I was just slacking. I was already interested in rock and roll music. And uh, so there's nowhere else to go. I, I'm not downgrading art college. I'm just saying I was good at art. I, I knew how to draw. And people say, well, you know, follow your strengths. And my sister, God bless her, said, well, you come on and check it out. So I did. And uh, it was totally uh, my thing. And uh, I uh, learned from art school some practical stuff, believe it or not, which is how to do sound and how to do uh, video. It was early video days and film and camera. And that's what I did in Vancouver for 30 years and made a good living at it and worked out of my home like you're doing now. And uh, that was, it was good. It was very start, very tough starting because you didn't know anybody and you don't, you don't learn anything about business in art college. So um, I'm not doing the film. I'm taking. I'm retired, I guess, from that. So I did start making art, and the thing with the art is is funny because it's not art that I learned how to do in art college. Uh, the thing is, is that one of the profs at art college, his daughter. I was in a band with his daughter. It was kind of Talking Heads band era, you know, the type band Talking Heads. Yeah. Anyway, she'd have me over there, and when I walk into her house, and he was the head of the painting studio, and he he was from. California, and he, now he's teaching here. He is teaching in Nova Scotia. This his career gig, and he's got all this folk art in his house. And I'm like, what is this stuff? They don't teach this because that art college is like it's like feminism, political art. This is all this conceptual art, which is fine. It's just what's going on in the world. Yeah, they want to teach you what's relevant. So anyway, the folk guys, what's this stuff? He's This man has passed on. His name was Jerry Ferguson. And they've since donated to the museum. It was actually a really nice collection of stuff. And that actually just got stuck in me. Even though I went on with a media career, I oh, at some point, you know, you you know what it's like. You do these things and you work at a laptop and you're it's digital and screen time, screen time. And you want to do something tactile with your hands, with the paint. So me with the wood. So that's what I started doing in Vancouver when I had spare time. And as my work was uh, calming down in the few uh, couple of years before COVID, I started to make art again and started selling it at uh, places in Vancouver. So it's really what I'm doing is a kind of folk art, and uh, which means a simple art, a direct art, not sophisticated. I get my art supplies not at the art supply store, but at Canadian Tire and Rona. Okay. I use used wood, used paint when I can. And... Um, my main tool is the bandsaw. The bandsaw allows you to freeform cut through woods. I mean, I remember, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My mom made a lot of, not our clothes, but her clothes on a sewing machine. Right. And I used to, when I was a kid, like, you know, knee high, I would fascinating watching her move the stuff through the sewing machine. And that's, that's kind of what you're doing with a bandsaw. It's like you kind of even don't, once you get good at it, you actually don't even need to make a mark in the plywood. You just kind of start drawing and you're cutting at the same time. It's really, it's really quite extraordinary. So that's my main tool is bandsaw. So I cut these things out, I paint them, I stick to them together. So the name of the art show I'm having here in July is called Wood Plus Paint Equals Art. That's the equation. <laughs> well, that's cool. I like that. It's simple, but it explains it 100%, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a terrible painter. Oh, so goodness. I have to cut things out and then just slap paint on them. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, I cannot paint. My daughter's got the uh, 
the artistic side in our family. It's certainly not uh, my forte, but... Well, what you're doing is uh, art in that it's uh, creative media and it's uh, community engagement. And um, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I had a great career as a documentary filmmaker and a cameraman for other documentaries. And it's so great. I mean, they hire you. And as long as you make stuff look good and you have to work quickly, you, I've flown all around the world staying at nice places and meeting cool people because you're not like a tourist wandering around at time, you know Times Square or something taking pictures you're like r- r- embedded with something cool whatever the story is and uh, it was it was a great great gig and uh, that's that's art yeah I guess it is you're right for sure yeah for sure yeah I hadn't thought of it in that that vein but you're yeah you're right it is and, and what I desire to do uh, in the few years I have left here. <laughs> Is that 30? Not 30 years? <laughs> yeah, 30 years. <laughs> is not to do so much filming and stuff, uh, but to, uh, uh, to do what you're doing. I don't want to do a podcast, but to use microphones. And we have a house now. And I lived in a pretty small apartment in Vancouver for all those years. Now mm. I have a house. And it's amazing. It's a house. And it's ours. And you can make noise in it. Uh, and uh, meaning that I can use it as a recording studio because I've been a musician all my life. And I know something about mics. I just want to put the whole picture together and, you know, have it like a little Abbey Road Studios of uh, Powell River because uh, there's lots of musicians who would love to come up. And I just do it, you know, to help people out and because I have an interest in the form, in the arts and crafts of good sound. So that's something that uh, I'll be pursuing, you know, over the next winter. Well, I was busy the first couple of winters just fixing up our house, which was, uh, had to be done. But that was satisfying, but now it's done, so... Let's talk about that, though, because you said uh, it, like it was a 100-year-old house here in Westview. Yeah, yeah. So what all did uh, you guys do to it? Well, it was a fascinating house because it was, uh, was on the market for a few months, and uh, I wanted to uh, look for a place to retire, and we were staying at my friend Caitlin's uh, couple, of street, uh, couple of houses over. Uh, she said, you cat, you cat sit for me, I'm away, and you just take my place. I had met Caitlin in, uh, in Vancouver. Anyway, I saw a sale sign on the house, and I said, well, let's just wander over there and look at that. And the, and the real estate lady said, oh, I'll, I'm busy. I can come tomorrow or the next day. And I said, well, I'm taking off tomorrow uh, back to town. Could I see it tonight? And uh, we uh, owned that house by the end of the week. She said, I want to, I'd like to show you some other houses. And I, I looked at her, and I said, no, I, I'd like this one. And she looked at me like I'm a bit of a crazy person. Really? I just I just thought the house was good. Now it had a lot of issues. It was a 100-year-old house. It had been moved to Vancouver for the mill after World War II. Uh, the old-timers in the neighborhood come out and tell me stories about the house, which I love. Really? <laughs> yeah. And also it was a grow-up in, I don't know, the <laughs> 70s or the 80s, because it had a side on it that was a deck, and then they filled in the deck with single-plane glass, put in heaters and stuff, and that's when marijuana, of course, was illegal, and you can make a lot of money making it. And that that side of the house was scaring away any buyers, I think, because it was, well, it was rotten, and because the heat and the humidity, yeah. it was kind of a crazy, like, oh my God, what are you going to do with that? So we had to face some pretty serious problem, issues with the house head on. And also it was overrun with rats. Ugh. So it was kind of like my wife was going, she was had some a few tough nights. And I said, we got this. This is going to be good. And here we are a couple of years later. And we had a winter without the rats. And we did all the things that you have to do. And I'm, I'm artsy craftsy, but I, I need help with construction stuff. But um, I did all, the, we didn't move the furniture in for the whole winter because we just had to, every room needed work. It was like like twenty year twenty layers of wallpaper, oh and you my. start to steam it, and you go, "Oh my god, this is becoming like a a nasty, crazy paper mache project." Like you just want to run screaming. <laughs> it's like those nesting balls, right? Where you take off one layer, and there's oh, yeah. another doll, and then- <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. I asked a, a friend back in Winnipeg, "What do you? What would you do?" And he said, that project needs a jerry can of gasoline. And I said, yeah, that's really funny. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so my, my new friend was wainscoting. I'm a big fan of wainscoting. What does that mean? It means you just slap that stuff up and you say goodbye to what's behind it. <laughs> so now I, I like giving tours of the house, showing off our wainscoting. <laughs> <laughs> the new fancy word, right? And then the, the yard was overgrown with uh, the brambles. What's the type of bramble you get with the spikes in it? And, oh, like blackberries? Oh, yeah. Or? It was yeah. just like, because it was just, 
you know, I guess it had just gone for decades. So I cut myself many times getting all that out. And now we're kind of uh, uh, rewilding it. We're putting some uh, uh, Sitka spruce and some Ponderosa pine and some Douglas fir. And um, I found a place where they're putting in a new logging road and they disturbed the forest and put. I could grab these ferns by the side of the road. They're just hanging in the gravel. So I'm putting ferns and these coniferous trees just to make it just I, i'm not really a gardener type of guy but i want to do the work just to get it low maintenance and kind of green year round so right. that's been the outdoor project which has been really fun I, i've really just enjoyed it i think i'm turning into my old man actually because <laughs> he used to like fart around in the garden i thought i ain't doing that no i'm doing it it's like don't don't <laughs> isn't that a thing though they say that right we always oh, turn into our parents god. at some point oh my god he'd be laughing to hear me say that cursing and swearing but there we are. Yeah, that's what we used to say in Manitoba. It's like guys with big yards. And man, that's just a grass farm. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You'd mentioned that your wife is an accountant. Yeah. But she also does a certain kind of dancing. Yeah. And I've, I'd actually never heard of it before. Yeah, so, uh, well, maybe you can get her on for the next podcast uh, after me. But she, basically, she was uh, trained as a CA in Vancouver and working in the business uh, and doing really well. And at age 30, she was climbing the corporate ladder, as they say, and, and she just uh, asked that question, is there more to life? So she took a dance class downtown at a place called uh, Harbor Dance on Granville and just thought, oh, I need to move, and I like it. So she started, she's a very disciplined person. So at age 30, she transferred her whole life from being a, Type A, eleven hours a day accountant, getting paid a lot, living in a you know nice place downtown, to a dancer making zero money, working your ass off, and uh, just thinking that's the best thing. And her parents didn't want to be you know you know politically incorrect, but Chinese parents are just like they were just like, oh my God, what's happening to our daughter? She did that, and it's the. The type of dance she joined was with a dance company called Kokoro Dance in Vancouver, who do buto dance. And the buto dance is a form that was formed in Japan after World War II. And it's a uh, those dancers are ballet trained, but they don't want to do the French ballet moves. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some partial nudity involved. They generally like to to cover themselves in a white body paint, and they like to move very slowly and the effect is quite mesmerizing because it plays with your sense of time and space of the very gifted ones and i think she is one of the gifted ones and i met her because as a filmmaker one of the things i loved doing in vancouver was filming dance it was my most favorite thing to film the least paid job but the mm-hmm. most beautiful job because it's like following a hockey game in slow motion you have to be good because you you need to capture the dance and the movements across the floor but you don't want the camera work to get in the way so uh, i was good at it and i did a lot of work for that company and their festivals and everything and everything and one day my accountant uh, for my business retired and i said to the guy the leader of the company i said i need an accountant he says one of our dancers is an accountant i go oh my god i don't want a dancer doing it <laughs> Anyway, we met up, and uh, I guess she thought I was kind of charming. Anyway, so we're married for about uh, 17 years now. Impressive. Congratulations. Yeah. So that's her story. A very interesting midlife turn for her. Absolutely. Yeah, she deserves her own podcast. Hint, hint. (laughs) (laughs) She gave me... She gave me money for prawns. Got it. She says, get the prawns, get the prawns. <laughs> I'm just here for the prawns. <laughs> it's all about the prawns. Let's talk a little bit about the art show you have coming up. I got back into art making in the last five years in Vancouver. I made quite a lot and sold quite a lot. And uh, what I have is kind of like a retrospective of some of the best pieces of that uh five-year run of making art and i wanted to keep it's good to to be an artist to keep some of your best examples of your stuff and it are not really handy because now we have a house and we need stuff for the walls and and i wasn't trying to force the art on every wall but my wife likes what i do so she said no just put keep that on the wall so all that is coming from our house into the art gallery and, and really it's just an exhibition there's very little for sale i have about 10, 20% of it will be for sale. Stuff that we just don't have a place for in the house. Everything else is going back to our house. So it's really just an exhibition of things I'm proud of. And there's a variety of it, but it's all in this sort of folk art realm. And then those guys who run the gallery, Robert and David, they are uh, they give you the gallery for the full month. 
And uh, I'm in there and I have to spend time in there because people will want to drop in and stuff. So I said, well, why don't we use it as a cultural space? So we're going to have an opening on July 1st. And for every weekend throughout July, we're going to have a cultural thing going on. And on Friday nights, it's going to be a, um, uh, a modern dance by my wife and other dancers. And then it's going to be a break. And then there's going to be a dance party, meaning we're going we're to have a DJ and people will just dance. Oh, wow. Really? And we'll have some beers and some wine. We'll have some beers from across the street at the brewery. And it's just kind of like a party for people who are interested in that type of thing. And the dance will be what she does, that buto style we were talking about. And then on Saturday, every Saturday night, I'm having a guest artist, solo artist from Vancouver, come up to perform about a 40-minute hour set. And then there'll be a little break. Again, have a little cold beer, a glass of wine, go out, have a smoke, whatever your thing is. And then uh, following that, my wife and I are going to lead a sing-along, which will last about an hour. And she plays bass and piano, and I play drums. I've played drums my whole life. And we have a guitar play, a local guitar player helping us. And the sing-along is uh, kind of like the Beatles, Cat Stevens, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, John Denver, even hokey stuff like John Denver. But it's the reason we're doing it, it's we do these sing-alongs at our family reunions. And mm. it's a big hit. And the family love doing it because it's, you know, you got to engage people from several different generations. And yeah. our, we're an Irish Catholic family. We like drinking. So it goes well with that. Yeah. So we thought, well, mm, let's just lay that on the people. That's pretty good. <laughs> And so we, we'll, we'll put out, it's not like karaoke exactly, because it's a live band and we'll give out sheets, but uh, we'll, we'll sing and we hope people will sing along with us. So uh, we're doing that. So it's not really a super pro thing. It's really kind of like a kitchen party kind of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm a good drummer, but this is really stripped down and I'm learning how to sing and drum at the same time, which I never do. I was never like Phil Collins. I, I'm a good drummer, but I'm learning how to sing and drum at the same time, which is like really like, it's like a kid trying to ride a bike or something or juggle. It's like, oh, wow. But I, I, it's, it's, it's okay. So that's what we're going to be doing. Oh, that'll be yeah. fun. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So where is the gallery? It's Crucible Gallery. It's right across from the uh, Townsite Brewery in in Townsite. So it's part of the Townsite Mall. Yeah, and if you look uh, around the street, it's all it's all glass on two sides. So it's like glass. You can see right into the gallery. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I don't think I've been in there. Mm. I've been in the mall, but I don't think I've seen that that particular gallery. Drop by. Don't miss out. Yeah, that's really cool. I think people should sing and people should dance. Don't you? Yeah, I think that was. Probably one of the hardest parts about uh, the pandemic and the lockdowns yeah. was people not being able to do that. Because I'll tell you, actually, from my perspective, I feel like if you wanted to end every war, the best way would be to find a way to take a group of children and somehow put them in a bomb-proof, bulletproof bubble in the center of the battle and have them sing. Because it's just the most beautiful thing in the entire world. I thought that... The entire time I was on the school board and I'd go to schools and there'd be performances, it just always touches my heart hearing children sing. I would definitely put down my grenade launcher if I heard a children's choir. I just think, how can you just fight when you can hear that? It's just... Oh, yeah. One of my other projects is to read books because I've been a man of pictures and images my whole life and I'm trying to catch up on readings and, and the wisdom of Western civilization. And then there's Eastern civilization, don't forget them. But choirs, Catholamu, and, and seeing the, the kids in grade 11, 12 from Brooks sing at the Jazz Festival, some of the local singing has just been extraordinary. And that's that's a huge draw for this town. One of the reasons why, also why we moved here is we came here, at, what's the classical festival called? It's uh, oh, Prisma. Prisma. Prisma happened to be on. So we got tickets and we were front row with the orchestra and uh, I just thought, I can't believe the good stuff here if you want it, as well as nature, but that good cultural stuff and the music, it's really high caliber in this town. The community engagement is extraordinary and uh, I just, I love it and I want to be part of it. So yeah. That's awesome. Singing and then dancing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you, you and your wife, how have you felt, you know, because I'm thinking three years ago, that's kind of looking 2020. Yeah. When everything hit the fan. Yeah. Did you move to Powell River before the pandemic kind of blew up or was it after? Yeah, we bought the house thinking that when the time is right, we would move up here. And then when I now would fix it up eventually because it was a rental house for many years. So then when the pandemic hit, my business uh, just went down to zero. And I thought, well, this is, I got nothing to do really. And Let's go up, move up and do it. And, and you know, Carolyn was all, Carol was already a work from home type of person. So 
that's what we did. It, COVID just sped up the whole project. Yeah. Did that make it difficult for you? Because it's a, it's a big thing moving to a whole new community, especially a small town like this. There's people are some will say clicky. Yeah. Sometimes it's harder to get social circles going or yes. you know meet new people, and then you add a pandemic on top of it where nothing's happening. Yeah. So how did you find that transition from Vancouver <clears throat> to here? Well, with that? COVID's been really tough on young people. Uh, it's been brutal. Yeah. And I, but for me, it was kind of a perfect storm. Why? Because the house needed a full winter, a year of work, and we didn't move the furniture for a year. And I, so I, it was just, I had no, I know, I had no excuses, no distractions. So I just had to get it done because you know what it's like when you're moving furniture around and you paint and then half the work is moving the furniture around and cleaning up after. So yeah. I just said, let's just keep this place empty and I'll just make the mess, make the noise, bring the stuff in, boom, 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 and demo stuff. So that's what we did. And COVID was on and it was almost like we were in this bubble just making this, it was, it was, the house was a bit of a shit show. We made it right. And yeah. so I was, that was it. So now that COVID's lifting, I'm starting to uh, understand who lives down the street and uh, what what's going on. And uh, wow, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We went to the Christmas choir and and we and we've been to the jazz festival and the Catholic thing. And then I, I've been to a uh, hippie jam. I used to wear hippie respectfully up in uh, Wildwood, which was extraordinary. And last night I saw the local women's punk rock group called the the Loose Tights, and it was. It was just exciting and extraordinary. It was a house party. And I was just like, wow, you guys just got so much mojo. And the funniest thing, P, none of these people know each other. It's kind of a lot of little tight little pockets. And I'm, I don't know why I'm just kind of uh, interested. This is my thing. I'm a curious person, any documentary filmmaker. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I hear about something. I thought, oh, okay, I want, I'd like to see that for sure. Like, so yeah, it's been just amazing. And I think I've still just scratched the surface. I mean, yeah, just, yeah, and, you know, I'm going to work a little bit with the guys doing Prisma because they found out I'm a film guy. So they uh, can, what can you do? And I say, oh, I'm really busy. I got my art show, but they've they've uh, asked me to do a little thing for them, and I want to because they're a great organization. So we'll do a little filming for them and do some music and yeah, just all the people. Yeah. So I I've got a terrible memory, so I had to start a little book. So I have to write down people's names and numbers because I I uh, when you meet somebody it's uh words are you know I'm a little bit almost dyslexic I can't it's really hard to remember all it's yeah. just too much it's like your whole new life and now rolling and you need an owner's manual for it <laughs> <laughs> that's almost the way it is yeah well I mean different streets different businesses different people different absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and I've never been good with names myself do you have any good stories from your documentary days or well a couple of standout highlights were we did a show for ctv called pretty boys and these this was about male models and there was a male model from the prairies um i can't remember his name now but in um high river alberta or somewhere just a gorgeous kid with beautiful bone structure in his face so anyway we followed him to milan italy for fashion model week and we're running around in a taxi taking out supermodels and and we have unlimited for uh you know food and dining and stuff and i'm just rolling 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 we're going to the shows with the media frenzy we're going to tryouts we're talking to to clothing designers uh, I'm, I'm living in the uh, milan suite a tiny uh, uh hotel room about half the size of your place well uh, it was a four by anyway it's called the milan suite right right walkable distance from the Duomo this amazing Catholic edifice put up in God knows what century it was just like that's just fun you just wake up and you just go oh my god what's going to happen today just fun and the other big one was I did a show called Behind the Mascot, which was about sports mascots. And these guys had a healthy budget. And we traveled to almost every state in America looking at mascots and the craziness of mascots and the craziness of the sports culture that they have in the colleges and in the pro teams that we just don't have. We just, we're not that rabid for it in Canada. Right. And uh, I was in Phoenix, Right under at the Phoenix Suns basketball game, NBA, with that seven foot tall Chinese guy slam dunking baskets. I'm like feet away from him. I mean, it was just kind of like, wow, what a power place to be. Yeah. I mean, just you just you just get flown into these like sweet spots on planet Earth, and you just go, this is cool. And you, but you got to keep rolling and keep it framed and keep it in focus. 
<laughs> so you're living through a camera, but you're still there. It's still real. No, <laughs> it's extraordinary. Extraordinary. No. I've done lots of First Nations stuff up and down the coast, oh. too, which has been a real treat for me. Uh, there's a particular director who's really happening, who's since moved to Toronto called Lisa Jackson. And I was her go-to guy. And she is like, I love her like a little sister. I, she's annoying, but I love her. And she's <laughs> smart as a whip. And we're like family. We hit the road together and we're just like... and. We were flying around in airplanes and talking to elders and cruising the bush and just in and going to uh, sweat lodge. I mean, just everything. I was really this big been a big part of my life too. Understanding things about uh, the coastal and interior uh, native uh, life and cultures too. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Oh God, it's fun being. How me. much you get to live through your camera? Yeah, yeah. And that does take skill. Like you said, to hold that camera still and get what you have to in the frame. I just went to my son's jiu-jitsu tournament and you should see my videos of his matches. <laughs> Not good. You know how I got good at documentary filming? I When I started out in the business, I didn't know anybody. I was shooting weddings, first photo, weddings. Okay. And that was, you make good money if you're good at it. And yeah. then you start getting referrals. And then I started doing video. This is early the day, way before cell phones. So in the first video cameras that were okay, vi wedding videos were a big deal. And so I knew how to do that. And with a wedding video, think of it. Think of it like a documentary situation. Something is going to happen in this room. You need to know when it's going to happen. You need to know where you're going to be. And you need to be ready and lit and have your sound ready. So you, you get into a sort of a situation where you go in and you read a room and you know where you be have to be in, in what modality. Because if you miss it, you're toast. Mm -hmm. You're dead. It's just like, where were you? You're the guy. You're supposed to be right there. And, you know, there's all the gear. And back in the day, we have to light stuff because the cameras were very bad in low lights. You had to have lighting and stuff. So all that, uh, you know, you get to be Johnny on the spot. When stuff's happening, you need to be there. And you yeah. need to be locked and loaded in the right place. So it was, uh, it was 20 years in the making wow. to get that, you know, down. And then learning all the new equipment as you go along. And the, yeah. And yeah. yeah, that drives me nuts. Now I'm an old person and I'm having to use the <laughs> iPhone 13. <laughs> but, but it's amazing because we're making, we're going to make Dan's videos in the forest. And, you know, sometimes you have to walk in, you see some old growth trees. Let's do something by these old growth trees. Well, there's no tripods. Or like, I can pull the stuff out of my backpack. And she got me this little thing called a. Uh, it's the steady cam for the phones are already steady, but there's a little steady thing. It costs oh. 150 bucks. Anyway, this thing's extraordinary. In my day, a steady cam costs like a hundred thousand oh. dollars. You know, the thing that floats the camera around in the movie business oh, okay. back in the day. That's what those yeah. are called. Steady cam. Okay. So for me, it's just like, well, okay, I'm, I'll embrace this future. You're trying to, you know, old dog, new tricks. It's good. Another thing you do is music producing. Is that correct? Recording? Yeah. So my future. The plan is to um, make music. I started to make music for films, and I've been a drummer my whole life. And I always played for drums uh, that that uh, just bands that didn't uh, tour and stuff. So my last project before I left Vancouver was a thing called Clancy's Angels, and it was a twenty-person rock choir. And we did all these rock songs. It would be Queen, The Beatles, Joe Cocker, Fleetwood Mac, and it would be a crack band of four or five guys. Sometimes there was a woman bass player we had. I like chicks in bands. And then the choir was 10 women and five guys. And we would play, we would start rehearsing in September for a Christmas show where we'd book the Wise Hall, 300 people a night for two nights. And it was just uh, nonstop rock anthems with the choir, all choir all on mics. So loud and yeah. rock and roll. And this is the coolest thing I've done in my life. And we did that for 10 years. Wow. So... I want to take what I learned from that and really distill it into this uh, sing-along thing. So it would be myself holding down a low note and then my, my wife can sing in the middle. And we want to find a local female soprano who can sing, you know, that those high notes that Neil Young sang in the 70s, really yeah. up there. Yeah. And, and, it is, and then it's a bit of a multi-generational choir. Like it'd be good to get a 20-year-old singer because those, those young people who sing at the jazz festival, incredible. 
we would want to do harmonies so the songs have a new it's not just a drunken sing-along the, the, the harmonies would be there tight total and the tonality would be all you know semi-pro right and uh, i don't think we'd tour or make records or anything we'd just be a power river thing but with the microphones and, and recording and everything as you know you know you may play a great gig to 20 or 30 people but uh it's really nice to record it nicely, and then you can go on YouTube, and maybe you know uh, several thousand people will see it. That's the world we live in, right? Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. So that's sort of the interest in sound producing from that perspective, and then and then then I like dancing, and I, I'm not really a DJ, but uh, I do have a, an interest in dance music if that should happen with using the the samplers and and the stuff that you can get you know online and computer now. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I'm learning how to sing. So I'm not a good singer, but I can do backup singing. I can stay relatively in tune. So that that's another thing, because as you know, singing in a church is a lot different than singing in a microphone. As we are, the microphone can do a lot of the heavy lifting, and yeah. you, you know, we you know. So I'm not a big belter, but if you use a microphone in, in your, you know, in that, so we're learning how to do that. Yeah. So for somebody who doesn't like to learn things, you learn a lot of things. Well, it's just the high technology. When when my wife says, "Oh, you need an app for that," and here's an app, and here's I, I mean, I'm, I feel like an old fart from the seventies. I'm just like, oh my god, another password, another app. No, stop. I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go play in the yard now. I'm gonna go dig in the dirt. <laughs> bring and plant it back some to, more trees. Bring it back to basics. <laughs> oh, I think we all need that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would yeah. you say your favorite thing about Powell River is? Well, the, it's obvious, but it's the fresh air. The mill closed down, as you know, right before Christmas, and I don't think it was uh, spewing the pollution it was doing in the 70s, but the fresh air is amazing because we lived on, uh, near First and Commercial for 30 years, and it's just a hub, and it's just car exhaust, and uh, we notice how fresh the air is, and that's beautiful. And, uh, and the birds. So, yeah, I mean, we have uh, a couple of uh, resident crows who hang around the yard and a couple of resident, uh, not chickadees, they're mountain chickadees. I had to look them up because they have a little head that looks kind of like, like a bicycle helmet. I know they're <laughs> nesting around and I know there's robins nesting around because the crows came around and the robins started dive bombing the crows oh. like jet fighters. So I know, okay, they're upset. They're, yeah. They don't want them around. So just, you know, that between that and the bears and the cougars, I mean, you know, this is... Uh, this is the, for us, this is kind of wild kingdom, man. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it must be for your wife, for sure. Do you get hummingbirds at your place? We don't. We, I haven't put up a feeder. People say, don't put up the feeder right now, because there was a thing with the... The bird flu. Something about it, yeah. 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 But I love, we, they, they do drop by to see some blossoms and stuff. I love hummingbirds. I like crows. I think they're very intelligent. And when we had the spot prawns, I put some of the heads out on the fence, and they just looked at me and said... Oh, thank you. <laughs> and they would come back for more and look in the window. Was anymore where that came from? <laughs> uh, I bet they did because they totally remember people. Oh, yeah. 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 So, and we got the odd raven flying by, but I think the ravens are like the high airspace in Powell River. They don't come down that much. They're more spooked out. But uh, I did see a ba- I did see a group of ravens the other day with uh, baby ravens, and they were sort of, uh, you know, there was a group of them, and they were sort of hanging. It was like a little posse. It was very cool. Uh, mm. And uh, and the baby ravens, you can tell they they you know because they open up their mouths, their mouths all red, and they just the way they behave. This is pretty. It's an amazing time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They must be getting taught by the uh, by the elders. By then. the elders, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Do you miss anything about the city? Not really. I mean, we like eating, but I'm actually a pretty good cook. So if something's uh, really good at a restaurant, we generally learn how to do it. So yeah, that's I do the cooking in our family. So I enjoy cooking restaurants and i yeah i go downtown vancouver and my last visit and i i have to look at signs because it's so much has changed downtown because the building boom i don't recognize it anymore uh so that's i'm happy here that's crazy when it's like that in a city right i mean you're gone for three years Mm -hmm. and it's like a whole new world yeah i get anxious when i go I'm a small town girl. I get that. <laughs> we have had lots of visitors because people are curious. What are you doing? And we have a little spare bedroom and we said, well, come on up. And we've had lots of family. My nieces, my nephews have been up and friends and we love having them. And I love showing them around and going for a walk through the woods. So we haven't been lonely at all. I mean, 
it's nice to meet the local folks for sure. Yeah. But in not in the winter, but in the summertime, yeah, we're we're booked for visitors and we're overjoyed to have them. Any of them thinking about making the move as well? Yeah, they they do say, "Wow, this is be nice." So they're, uh, I guess that's that's the new wave. More people like that. Yeah, like me. That's what uh, Isabel Southcott from Cothet uh, Living said that they they do a section on uh, I made the move in the magazine, and she said it comes up a lot of times where people say, you know, well we moved here and then so and so from my family loved it because they came to visit us and they moved here and seems to be a kind of a trend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess there's going to be a lot of old farts like me riding around <laughs> on e-bikes, but <laughs> but you know the mill shut down, so we need need the economy. Uh, so we're paying taxes, and, and 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 I'm hiring awesome local electricians, plumbers, gas fitters, construction guys who do stuff that I can't do, and yeah. I love them when they come over, and I'm I always treat them with the utmost respect because I'm afraid if they walk off the lot, they might not come back because they're so busy. Oh. So I treat those guys like they're my own brothers. And then we're trying to do culturally cool things in the town. We're trying to give not just take but give back. So is it, it's volunteer. But it's like, it's, I'm happy doing it. It's not hard volunteer, uh, but it's definitely giving back. So yeah. uh, that's, that's what we're, we're going to do. We want to make people happy and bring joy. And, um, and we need people to help us do it. You know, Carolyn, we've already roped in someone to dance with Carolyn, uh, one of the yoga teachers. Oh, cool. <laughs> who said, well, I don't know. <laughs> now she <laughs> said, okay, I, this is good for me. And then uh, a local guitar player who's never played with a band, and he said, I, I said, D -d you got this. You got all the, you just, you know, you got to gel with the drumming and the bass. You got it. So we're rehearsing. We're a little under-rehearsed, but this is good. You know, the guy called David Bowie always said, when you're an artist, you should always be just a little bit over your head. That's the sweet spot. Otherwise, you're a little, you know, too cozy. So yeah. we're, you know, we're a little bit nervous about our opening show. And I think that's you know, okay. A little, a little bit of stress is okay. <laughs> a little bit, not a lot. Yeah, no, not too much. It's like a Stradivarius, right? Your violin, I should say. You uh, you crank that thing too tight, it'll pop on you. And if it's too not tight enough, it's like you know. It, you, you, we all need to be sort of tuned up. That's how I think about stress. Yeah, you need just it's a balance. Yeah, absolutely. You know I, mean? I think it'll be uh, that'll be fun and. You know, when you say with volunteering, I think that's an awesome way to get to know your community, yeah. too, and get to know people. It's yeah. the best way, really. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you, this community is always looking for volunteers. So. Yeah. Always. Yeah. In everything. Well, you're volunteering right now, doing this gig, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. We're still going to do some business with the prawns, though. <laughs> we are. I'm, I've got prawns. I'm just here for the prawns. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the prawns. <laughs> So my wife is uh, Chinese, as we said. So she, they, they eat the heads of the prawns. Yeah. And so I don't think a lot of locals do that. What do you say? It's not at my alley. It's not my thing. But yeah. I, I do know some people quite enjoy them. I was actually watching a video the other day on YouTube of a, a, of a lady slurping up yeah. the heads and yeah. quite enjoying it. So Yeah. So the, her, her aunt and uncle uh, from Boston came up and they said, you guys, can you get spot prawns? And we said, yeah. She said, just get a whole bunch and they and they <laughs> eat them and they eat the head first not the part right behind the mouth that's a little dark because that's bitter and that's what the prawn just ate but the whole yeah. other business just like you would a lobster they eat that first and they almost prefer it in a way and then they eat the tail and i and i just saw them do that and they were just they were just in heaven so uh i thought okay that's interesting so when we have a guest who doesn't eat the prawn heads i keep the prawn heads i put them in boiling water and reduce it down and then I get rid of the solids, give it to the crows, and I make a Italian seafood like pasta, and I cook the pasta in that prawn water, and mm. that is what we call umami. It's beautiful. Really? Yeah, because otherwise you're this kind of going to waste. That's an amazing flavor. Mm. Beautiful, and that's how they cook in Italy, right? The other thing that you don't use here, and no one talks about it, is the sea urchin. And sea urchin in Italy, you'd open that thing up and you make a pasta sauce with it. Creamy, buttery sea urchin. Hmm. I, I don't think that's a thing here. But, I don't uh, think I've ever had sea urchin. Well, in sushi, it's called uni when you go. I don't think I've had it. Yeah. So it's a little more adventurous. So that's me being a big city person. We were like, okay, the urchins are in the ocean, but I'm not seeing them at the... At the, the market. local market or the thing. It's just not a thing. And I asked the guy at the Coastal Cookery. They said, well, you'd be the only guy asked for that. But that's our big city influence. That's not a bad thing. 
So no. dumb question, shrimp and prawn, different things. They are. So how yeah. do you get shrimp? What's that? So shrimp are actually done by trawling, by dragging a net across the bottom. Oh. And prawns are done by catching via in, trap. In the traps, yeah. 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 So with shrimp, you can only catch them in sandy areas yeah. because you obviously you'd get hung up yeah. with the net if you're doing it in a rocky area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and do you go out on the boat? I do. Yeah, I haven't gotten to go out prawn fishing because he's usually away, and somebody's got to hold down the fort. So, right, I haven't gotten to do that. But I've been shrimp fishing a number of times. And same boat. Yep. And with the prawn fishing, do they just go out in the morning and get the trap, or do they go out overnight, or how do they do? It depends on the boat. Some of the guys oh. fish live, so that means they'll go out same day, come back in same day, and unload fresh product. Yeah. My husband fishes on a freezer boat. Uh huh. So they do the sorting, the dipping, and the freezing all on the boat, uh-huh. and he's away. And so he is, is he west of Vancouver Island, like out in the deep no, sea, or where he, are they? No, he'll just be north up the coast here a little uh-huh. bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. But his boat's a slower boat, so uh-huh. this year he was home to unload once, and then the last day of the season. So he's so. freezing a lot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of it, pretty much, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's more practical, I guess. Yeah. The fresh is fun, though, when they're when they're alive. I mean, it's kind of cruel to put them in the water, but it's sure is fresh. I just hope the art show's uh, a success and that uh, Powell River people feel uh, welcome to come by. And uh, even if they don't want to go to an art gallery, see it. I have all these light sculptures that I've done made of lights, and they will be on display on the outside of the gallery uh, on the window facing outward. And you could drive by in your truck at 3 in the morning, and it's going to be like Las Vegas. You're still going to see the art show, even if you don't feel like going in. So I'm going to keep that lit all night long. But if people want to come for a sing-along or a dance, uh, they can come meet us and get the groove on so awesome well thank you for coming to talk with me today it's been a pleasure thanks for having me Aaron. pleasure to make your acquaintance you too let's get to prawns thank you for joining me in the studio today clancy i know you're busy with the e-bike and chasing bears and home repairs and especially getting ready for your upcoming art show wood plus paint equals art opening with buto dance performance with metal dog followed by a dance party at crucible gallery at the townsite market on ash Opening is 8 p.m. Friday, July 1st, and the art show will run throughout July. Once again, if you want to learn more about Clancy Dennehy, feel free to check out his website at C-L-A-N-C-Y-D-E-N-N-E-H-Y.com. That's ClancyDennehy.com. Until next time, this is Aaron Reed. Thanks for listening to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about the podcast, visit www.coastalcurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. If you'd like to submit a topic or join the conversation as a guest, email Aaron at coastalcurrentswithaaron at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.